0: Mr. Shem, welcome to the Chinuch Lifelines <clears throat> live webinar on the subject of Sholom Bayis versus Chinuch. This is part two of our series. Part two is "United We Stand." That's what we're speaking about. And before we begin, I must once again make the disclaimer that we made in the first webinar, and that we are not speaking about abuse. Cases of abuse are to be dealt with differently, individually, and through a competent authority. Abuse means the professional term for abuse means when one spouse has an agenda and a megamah, as we say, an agenda to control the other spouse or to control the children and these types of things. There's also something not abuse, which is quote unquote abuse, but something else that we are not addressing. And that's when the situation is extreme, when <clears throat> one spouse will uh, do damage, can do monetary damage, physical damage, emotional damage to the children or to you. Verbal damage, it's done in a more, um, let's say, more extreme way, whether in quality or quantity, as was the case in some of the emails I received. The emails I received require individual guidance. That's why I have not responded to them yet. Bisham, I hope to respond not with a lengthy response, but this is not within the scope of our discussion here in the webinar. <clears throat> we are discussing in the box regular Midos problems between spouses where a spouse, one spouse has, let's say, not as perfect Midos as he or she should have and they use the cloak of Chinuch to cloak their negative character traits It's all a shame, matzah, mitzvah for the sake of chinuch when it's not chinuch, it doesn't work and it makes things worse. That's what we're talking about. So in those cases, again, I encourage you in the cases where there are extreme behaviors on the part of the spouse or it's abuse, either one, I encourage you to stand up and go for help. Now, the help might tell you to stand up to your spouse, and that's the answer. The help might tell you to not trigger your spouse, and that's the answer. Depending on the situation, get proper help from a competent authority who has experience and who has been successful. Now, in our case, we're talking about regular chinuch and rule number one. Many of the rules we'll be discussing today are against your grain counterintuitive and they're not going to be easy Shalom bias is by no means something that comes automatically nor easily it's something that requires work I will have you know I went once Shabbos to the house of the great Tzaddik and Mechanech Rav Moshe Turk Zatzal student of the Chazenish and his wife was the granddaughter of Moreno Rabbi Yaakov Rosenheim, the first president of Agudis Israel. and there's the famous video of the Chofetz Chaim coming to the convention the the Agudas Israel world convention so in that video, at the end of it, you show this man with a white beard, long white beard and a vest that is Marina Rav Yaakov Rosenheim, one of the great German activists and Sadikim. And she was a granddaughter. So she had a gun, a kindergarten in Bnei Brak. Her gun was known as the best gun in all of Bnei Brak. And Sadikim sent to her gun. She was a Tzadikis of Bnei Brak. Every week she used to learn the entire Yalkot Me'amloyez on the parish. And she was something else. Tamid of the, of the Chazan Ish sent to her gun. And it was known. And she was an unbelievable mechaneches and a fantastic personality. But nothing like you imagine. Laid back. Quiet. No. It was a lively person. Very lively. Like people have a misconception just so you should know. And it's important, I guess, for the picture of yourself and your shalom bayis. But people think that to be a lady tzaddik, a tzaddikis, means to be always quiet. And you're behind the scenes in your corner, saying to him, and you're to be heard, not seen, and you cover yourself all the way until your nose. No, it's not what it is. No, absolutely not. in Eliyashiv, the wife of Reb Eliyashiv, right? I met her many times. I, brought, I went to Eliyashiv for shilas. I brought classes of kids to her, to, to Rabbi Yashiv, to get brachas in the olden days. 35 years ago, when things were different, the world was a smaller place. And the Rebbitsin was a very lively lady. Very lively. In fact, she used to play drums for her friend's weddings before she got married. They said she was so lively, she could bring the dead back to life. And she married Rabbi Yashiv, who was the exact opposite. And she went along. Rebbeztin Turk, I want you to hear something amazing, which is what something we're going to study today. Rebbeztin Turk, Rebbeztin Eliyashiv. How did she marry Rebbe Eliyashiv? He was the opposite of the lively personality. Rebbe Lyashiv was more closed and introverted by personality. Of course, he was one of the Gedilum, We can't even talk about him. His godlessness is beyond our ability to conceive. It's like a skyscraper, Volba told me once, it's like a skyscraper that goes all the way up into the sky, you can't even see so far. But what we saw, this is what we saw, and the Rebetzin channeled all her energies to supporting Rebbe Yashiv's Torah and to building him and building him and building him. And in her z'chus, he became as great as he became And and Turk, Rebetzin Turk used to disagree with her husband. And when I was there for Shabbos, they had a disagreement. He wanted to make Kiddush, I think, earlier and have cake. And she wanted to make Kiddush only before the meal, like her father used to do. And there was a discussion. And he told me they have arguments and discussions two or three times a week. And they ask a third party. They work it out. They go about whatever the third party says. So you imagine this plastic existence of Shalom Bayez where everybody's smiling, everybody's getting along, nobody says a word to the other one, this one says, please and thank you, now. Shalom Bayez is for real people, not plastic people. It's for people that are alive and are lively. And sometimes clash, and you work it out. And that's what we're here to talk about. So, and I'll tell you something fascinating. I never knew this. I was there for Shabbos some 25 years ago, I think, by Rav Turk, maybe more even, maybe 27 years ago already. And my, uh, I saw them arguing, not arguing like a fight, a discussion, they disagreement. And and the Rav, Rav Turk told me that not a week goes by, the Rav Turk was the Talmud of the Chazanish. He was such a tzaddik that the stipler, Rav Chaim Kanievsky's father, used to stand up when he walked in the room. And he would disagree with his wife and his wife, who was the Mechaneches of Bnei Brak, would disagree with him and they would disagree. And they would ask it, like I said, a third party. And one of the children told me, that the mother had such respect for her husband that she treated him like a king. Now, this is not what it looked like. It looked like they would disagree in and, uh, and the woman's rights. You have a right to disagree. You don't have to bow down to the king. No, no. That's not what it was. A real life, they would disagree, but she had tremendous respect. Tremendous, tremendous respect. So t- today, these are the olden generations where they're able to disagree and argue and so on. But they still have respect for each other. What we have to be careful is the following. So let's say like this. We'd like to make some rules for your Shalom bias, And after those rules, let's discuss if you disagree. You should have For yourselves, if there are disagreements between you, you should have for yourselves a third party that you can ask questions to on an ongoing basis, not for serious disagreements. For regular daily things, it's inevitable that people will disagree. When you have a third party, your Rav, or a Tamad Chacham that understands, and he understands you and your wife, or you and your husband, And he's a little bit experienced, not somebody who's not experienced. That's the person you can ask. If you can't ask, you'll have to have a formula to work things out. What's critical is don't leave disagreements. That's rule number one. You disagree on things, work them out. You feel this way, your spouse feels that way, work them out. Now, before you go asking, right away, what can happen is when you disagree, is that right away, you'll be out for your message, out for your opinion, you're certainly right, and you're going to become gung-ho. You're going to become, like, zealous, and steadfast, and firm, I will not budge on this opinion, and so Don't be like that, even if you're right. Even if you're right, have respect for your spouse. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you have to give in and change what's right. But it means hear your spouse. Hear how they feel. Hear what's bothering them. You heard classes on Chinach. You've read books on Chinach. Your spouse comes in, he's doing it all wrong. And not in extreme cases. So you're going to go and you're going to let them know you're doing it all wrong. You don't know what you're doing. You're ruining. How do you mechanic like that? That's not the way I learned the courses. I studied. I know. I know what the G'daylama, and maybe you're right. But that's very disrespectful to a spouse. Why? They're making a mistake, but they don't exist. You disqualify them right off the bat. Don't disqualify your spouse. Don't disqualify the way they do things, even if they're wrong. Mutual respect. That's what makes us united we stand. Mutual respect. having res- Respect if they're wrong. Respect if he's wrong. Respect if she's wrong. And wrong in the chinor. Absolutely. How do you respect a spouse? when they're wrong in the chenach. Discuss it with them out of respect. Go, instead of telling them how wrong they are, ask them a question. Why do they feel they do like this? You want to understand. Now, once they tell you, they feel it's best for the children to do such and such. Once they tell you, so you can say, Why do you feel like that? And you're trying to understand. And you're not bringing the spouse to task. That's not respectful. So please, not in front of the children, work things out. The first thing you should do before working, to work things out is hear your spouse. Hear what they say. There are spouses, even in not-extreme cases, that will be very sensitive. And the minute you even ask them why they do what they do, they will be hurt. They won't be able to have a discussion with you. A person has to be in a place of confidence to have a discussion. And if your spouse thinks you're looking at him or her and you're supervising him or her to see how him or her is being mechaneh, or good or bad, your spouse may be very hurt and insulted and not be willing to discuss with you. So in that case, there's nothing to discuss, and there's only what to compliment. So let's take the following two points. The main rule is Not in front of the children. Work things out with your spouse when possible. What does that mean? That's rule number one. Again, we're coming to one plus one equals three. That's our formulas explained in the past webinar. One is you. One plus zero is one. If it's only you yourself, you'll get as far as one. If it's both of you together, one plus one, you're working together, you will get to three, which is the Shekhinah, Hashem's presence joining you, and your lives will be blessed, your home will be blessed, your children will be blessed. That's the United We Stand one plus one equals three formula. The first area we're applying it now, when you don't agree, Go into a room. Not in front of the children. And discuss. The first part of the discussion. Even if you are right. Is to ask your spouse. How he or she feels. About this. This situation. And maybe it's better. Not to discuss it. At the moment. Because everybody is going to be defensive. On the moment. Maybe it's better if you discuss it at a neutral time and you don't direct it towards something specific that happened. Maybe it's better that you discuss a general concept in and you ask your spouse how he or she feels. Even if you know you're going to hear an answer, that's wrong. And what do you do? Listen to it. Value it. Hear it. And then ask questions on it if it once you've done that once you've shown the respect and you value it and you hear it now you can say your opinion you can say can we ask a third party now that's in best case scenario and more often than more often than not we will find that a spouse is not discussable nobody to talk to, even in not extreme situations. And in those cases, the spouse will be more hurt by your discussion as if you're checking on him and bringing him to task and he or she is a little baby and it won't work. So in those cases, you have to compliment your spouse on what he does, as we said last week. So that's point one, work it out. If the working it out means... You can ask a third party. Wonderful. If the working get out means you can explain to your spouse. Wonderful. Even that has to be done with great respect by your listening first and then telling. We have a rule by in the lifelines that goes first listen, then be listened to. If not, even if it's not an extreme case, you have to drop the discussions. It's not going to work. Just compliment your spouse for how good they are in parenting altogether. Now, what do you do at the moment? You see, not everything can be worked out. So what do I do when my spouse... did? Rule number two. So rule number one, if you can work it out, try to work it out, but only with showing respect first. Listen... Then be listened to. Next, what about when it's in front of the children? When a spouse disagrees with my chinuch. in front of the children. I did something and my spouse corrects me in front of the children. What a nerve. Defer to your spouse. Say, if Abba, if Ima said this, we go by what Abba Ima says. Uh, What do you mean? Hold on. Let's take the other way around. What if your spouse is doing wrong and you disagree in front of the children? Support your spouse. Abba said, That's what we do. Abba's right. Again, why in the world should you do this? This is insane. We're not talking about extreme cases. In regular situations. One. United we stand. One plus one equals three. It's counterintuitive. You're not going to like it. It's hard to do. Rav Zilbushin brings a story. About. A fellow that was very careful. With the Shalom Bayis. And this fellow. What he did was. He. Made up his mind. That no matter what. He's keeping the Shalom Bayis. And it came. One Friday afternoon, late, everything was clean, and the wife was carrying a jar of oil, a jug of oil. She fell on the floor, it spilled all over the floor. It was her fault. She felt he wasn't even near her. And she started screaming at him Why did you spill the oil? What's the matter with you? Why don't you watch where you're going? You're crazy. And and it was was somebody there who was watching. And he wanted to see what the husband would say. The husband wanted to say, well, it's not me. You're out of your mind. You fell. Take the blame. Take responsibility for what you did. Don't push it on other people. Don't make people your scapegoat. He didn't say a word. It's quiet. Not a word, the husband. So the... The person that was here actually was a rub, to see it. He was a guest at the house. He said now he understood why everything this person touched, this husband, turned to gold. Why did the wife blame him? Because she couldn't handle the guilt of, the, of what she did. So she put it on the husband. Okay. But the husband made up his mind no matter what. He will always keep the shalom bayis. And that's why everything he touched turned to gold. Think a minute. If you defer to your spouse when he corrects you in front of the children again, not in extreme situation, you defer to your spouse if, uh, you say it you're the you' the you're the one who's the authority and even if they're wrong, and when you support your spouse, even if your spouse is wrong in his, chinach, Hashem is in your house, and your house is blessed, your children is blessed. Your children are blessed. Now that's as far as your children are concerned. What about you? What are you, a dishrag? What are you, a doorman? You don't exist? You don't have an opinion? Always have to give in to the spouse? So please understand a principle that we teach. Don't be a martyr. Be smarter. You're not being a martyr here. The way it appears to be is that you're bowing down and you're being stepped on and you're letting it happen. That's not what's actually happening. You're bowing down like the reed who bows down to the wind and when the wind finishes blowing, the reed remains standing. But the cedar tree doesn't bow down and the winds blow and he breaks. Rav Huttner says the reed is stronger than the wind's. And stronger than the cedar tree. We teach parents regarding children. And the same is true regarding Shalom Bayez. Smarter is stronger. If you are smarter than your spouse. You are stronger than your spouse. And you know what it means to be smarter than your spouse? Defer to your spouse. Give utmost respect to your spouse. In front of your children. Your spouse disagrees with your kinach, corrects you, defer. You disagree with your spouse's chinach, support him or her, even if he or her is wrong. Why? What's happening to you? Where are you? Are you a doormat and a dish rag? You're smarter. And you're stronger than your spouse. You're smarter than your spouse, very simply said. I once did an exhibition. And I did it many times in workshops. uh, And I call somebody up to do an arm wrestle. This is not my, my idea. I took it from a secular source. But I call somebody up and I do an arm wrestle with him. And I provoke him beforehand and I make a whole thing. And then once we sit down, take our positions, the whole audience is looking, I leave go. One, two, three, I leave go. And he puts me down. But I said, and and but he doesn't he doesn't know what to do with himself. Once I stop fighting, and there is no fight, I'm being smarter by not fighting and by deferring. Okay, now rule number two. We have a number of rules here that we need. They go hand in hand, and that was the second rule, number two. Excuse me, in front of the children, defer to your spouse, support your spouse you are being the smarter one and the stronger one of the two of you. Why you? Why not your spouse? Because you're smarter and more capable, that's why. Or else your spouse will be taking workshops and reading books on Chinoch and listening to classes. Next, rule three, the role model. The role model, we role model our reaction to our children. A spouse does something in front of you to a child. You're a behemoth. How do you sit like that? I can't believe it. Disgusting way to sit, and you are like, oh, oh, he's gonna go off the derech. You just killed him. Your words are like knives, and every word is another knife into his, into his emotional health. And I can't believe the scars you're making for life and. Take it easy. That's not what's happening. Play it down in your heart. Play it down because I'll tell you a secret. Children don't know how to react. Children are inexperienced. When they see things like this, which are they're not expecting, they could be devastated. And they could be taken in stride, not be affected at all. How do they know how to react? When a spouse calls a child a behema, an animal, you start freezing, you think it's the worst thing in the world, but what do the children think? They don't know what to think. How do they know what to think? They look at you. And from your reaction, they learn if what happened now was something terribly serious or something, ah, big deal. That's how he talks, nothing. So, how do you feel in your heart? We had a case in Vayakov, where I live in Eretz Israel, so many, many years ago. There was a terrorist attack in the neighborhood, at the bottom of the neighborhood. The neighborhood is built on a hill, and there were nothing happened. An Arab jumped out and started shooting, but nobody was there, and nobody was hurt. But for weeks, for a long time after that, in one family, they were terrified. Every time they were hearing noise, they would go running for for a shelter, hide under the table, hide under the chair, hide in this room, hide there. And in another house, every time they heard noise, nothing happened. Everybody was fine. And by the way, since then, Baruch Hashem, there was never another terrorist attack. So, why? What was the secret? In the one house where people didn't go for hiding, they would go into the middle room without windows. Why? And they'd be terrified. Why? Because the mother trained them. Oi, there's a noise. There are windows here. We have to go into this room. no windows. Nobody can shoot us and we're safe. And she taught her children to be terrified. And the other mother didn't. To, to it took it it's a fluke. It happened once, this is not happening, it's not gonna, that's okay. And there really was no reason to be afraid, it was a, a very strange thing in those days, especially. So, how do you react when your spouse says something to the children? How do you react? If you make a big deal, you're sitting there, you're not saying a word because you're following instructions, and in the webinar, they said not to say a word. So you're not saying a word, but you're sitting there. Your heart is about to leave you. It's like going out. It's like there's nothing worse in the world than this. This is. If I would have known, how did I marry such a person? I can't believe. In my own home, he's destroying the children. She's destroying. It's not true. Play it down. It's again not extreme cases, not abuse, regular. Negative character traits. They call bad midas. That's what they call. Or they feel entitled to the, under the guise of Chinuch. That's what they think Chinuch is. That's how they were treated. Whatever the reason is, it's not a big deal if you don't make it a big deal. And you're not making it a big deal helps your children not make it a big deal. And you're playing it down in your heart helps your children not get damaged from it. You role model your for your children how to react by your own reaction. That's first of all another point in this rule number three, about the role model, is don't go right away. Okay, in front of the front of the children, in front of my spouse, I'm not going to do that. Afterwards, I'll take him and I'll start making excuses for my spouse. You know, he didn't mean it. Uh, Mommy's such a good person. Mommy this, mommy that. Don't go making excuses for your spouse behind your spouse's back. Again, I have to reiterate every other minute that we're not talking about extreme cases. Regular getting upset, regular getting angry, which many people do today. And they could say things that are not the nicest things to say. Don't go afterwards. He didn't really mean it and start apologizing for them. Nothing. No big deal. Nothing, no big deal happened. Don't try, aside from excuses, don't try to undo what your spouse says. Let's say, you don't make excuses for him. He didn't mean it. and But you do try to undo it. Abba is wrong. What Abba said is wrong. We don't talk like that. He certainly should not have said something to you. I can't, don't do that. Don't become... The, the, the mechanech and he the villain. You're the good guy and your spouse is the villain. Don't do that. One plus one equals three. And again, we're not talking in extreme situations. We are not. These are regular situations. And One plus one equals three. Next. But we spoke about if you can work things out with your spouse if you can. We spoke about in front of the children. We spoke about your role modeling through how you react. It's not a big deal if you don't make it into a big deal and you're making it not a big deal, we'll make it not a big deal. That's rule number three, the role modeling. And rule number four, Don't go behind your back, behind your spouse's back, and start excusing him. Don't go behind your spouse's back and start undoing him. And don't go becoming the great guy and he's the villain behind your spouse's back. Don't. Rule number four, five. First was, again, working things out with your spouse. The second was in front of the children. The third was. How you react in your heart, role modeling. And the fourth one was behind your spouse's back. Don't undo him, excuse him. And you be the good guy. Now, rule number five. Rule number five, don't compensate. It really goes as part of rule number four, so we'll keep it as rule number four. Don't compensate, not in front of your spouse. You feel a child was yelled at. You have to give him some nash. You have to go. You're not going to say your spouse was wrong, but in an unspoken way, you're going to go and make amends for what your spouse did. I apologize. You're not apologizing. You heard you're not supposed to do that. So you'll go and you'll give some nash. Here's some nash, and you give him extra. Don't do that. Don't compensate because your spouse did something. It's nothing. Take it in stride. It's nothing. However, and this is rule number five, you can be yourself not in front of your spouse and you should be yourself not in front of your spouse. That's a tricky, tight wire to walk. We're telling you on the one hand, don't excuse your spouse, don't undo your spouse and don't compensate for your spouse behind your spouse's back. But be yourself. You could be yourself. You can smile, you can a child comes, you know what Abu did, you know what this, you know what that. what do you do? Give a smile, I love you so much, you're so cute. Ah, let me give you a hug, let me give you a kiss. Ah, another hug, a smile. do you want to hear a joke? You can be yourself, you don't have to be your spouse. Your spouse may be too austere, your spouse may be too strict. your spouse may be. Too critical. You don't have to be like your spouse. Not in front of your spouse. You just don't have to make up for him. You just don't have to make excuses for him or try to undo him or nothing. But you can be who you are automatically. And that itself can heal your child without having to say anything about your spouse. That's rule number five. And when your spouse, and not only when something happened that your spouse screamed at the kids, but in general when your spouse is not there, be yourself. Be who you are. Don't go against your spouse's rules. Don't be yourself on the cheshman of your spouse. Husbands can come home and the mother has a whole seder hayom. How to put kids into bed and when and she finally got everybody into bed and everybody's, and you come home and you want to spend time with the kids. So now you're going to go into everybody and it's going to be a whole affair and you're undoing what your spouse did. That's not fair. But you want to have a cashier with the kids? You want to be, be yourself, but not in front of your spouse and not on your spouse's cheshma. So that's rule number. Five, what we just said. Be yourself. When the spouse is not there, either when something just happened or even altogether at all times. But be careful. Don't try to look good and make your spouse look bad. That should never happen in your home because one plus one equals three. So we're going to soon say this a drop long, a drop a little bit later, but please do not make a coalition. Please do not team up with your children against the spouse. You're on the children's side and your spouse, you have to be nice to him, but you're really more on the children's side and not on your spouse's side. I'm going to teach you something very, very important. Very, 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 very important. Jobesai. Bear with us just a minute. It's something to to think about. But it's a top priority. And that is, I'm afraid to say it again, but your spouse is more important than the children. What happens is, how do these coalitions become? And by the way, this includes when children try to play you against your spouse or they'll come to you when your spouse doesn't allow and things like that don't don't take your spouse's side your children excuse me excuse me excuse me don't take your children's side your spouse said no don't you go say yes you can be the giving person you are when your spouse is not around And when it's not conflicting with his rules or her rules. But when it is, don't. But be yourself. But don't make a coalition. Kids know they'll ask you. Even though they ask this pastor, they come to you, can I do this? Well, let me ask Abba. Let me ask Ima. What does Abba and Ima say? Concur with your spouse. Don't say to yourself, well, he or she is way too strict, he or she doesn't understand, bring them in, like we said at the end of last week's webinar. Bring them in, concur with them, even if because you concur with them, they'll say no, because one plus one equals three. And if you see it's a little bit too much, you'll discuss if we could make an exception now. Your spouse will appreciate the fact that you concur with your spouse. They will appreciate it. And therefore they will also defer to you a little bit. You'll ask them, can we do, again, not in extreme cases, in regular cases. Can we do like this? Can we do like that? How about this? When you're showing your spouse respect and they're not threatened, they're much more amenable to working with you. Know that rule. So stay away from the coalitions. Stay away from divided. And make it united we stand. Imagine a child comes over to you because they know you're a soft hearted and you want to give them and they know that, can I have this? And your spouse is around. Again, when your spouse is not around, you can and should be yourself when your spouse is around. Or if you feel your spouse is beginning to look bad, how about because you're always permissible and always giving and always friendly? And your spouse is not. And they're starting to look, but how about being interested in the spouse's honor more than you're interested in the kid's chino? That sounds crazy. Crazy. Ruining the kids on the expense because my spouse is damaged and I have to help my, again, not extreme cases, regular cases. Your spouse is not damaged in regular cases like all of us. All of us are a tiny bit damaged, maybe more. Not extreme. And in all of us cases, worry about your spouse's honor. Include your spouse. Concur with your spouse even if you want to give right away. Why? Because it's good for your spouse because you're building your spouse in the process and your children will only benefit from it. Mamish kacha. Now what if your spouse is in pain? Oh, your child is in pain from your spouse, excuse me. So we're avoiding the coalitions. And not only are we avoiding the coalitions, we even will concur with our spouse because, and this is a big rule, as we'll revisit soon, Hashem. but your spouse's honor is more important than your children's chema. As we're teaching you, one plus one equals... 3. If Hashem will be in your home, you'll have no problem with Yohan. Hashem will bring the blessing for your children. I've seen it. I've seen spouses that are respectful in, again, not extreme cases and not abuse cases. Spouses that are respectful to other spouses, they consider them and their feelings first. Those are the places where children grow up healthy. What if A child is in pain. What if a child is wants to tell you something the spouse did? Should you say, I can't talk in front of Abba. We don't talk about Abba. It's not respectful. No. No. What we said was, don't volunteer to excuse your spouse. What if your child comes to and they're hurt? They're in pain. First thing you have to do is hear. Hear them. I understand. I hear. Oi, oi, I feel so bad. Don't talk. Don't deny your child's feelings. Hear your child. Feel with your child. But don't talk bad about your spouse. Now in this case, where the child brought it up, you can say, after you've heard the child and you feel with the child, And you're not talking bad about your spouse. You can say, you know, how much Abba loves you. How much Ima loves you. That's his style. It doesn't mean anything. And you might even say, and you know, you you all said that you you shouldn't have stepped on his trigger. You know when you do that, it makes him upset. What happens is a lot of times, children try to form a coalition with that one spouse they get along with. And they'll take liberties they shouldn't be taking. You have to know. If the spouse is more... Because they get a giboy. A, a, they get uh, um, enforced. They get a... Uh, the word uh, uh, They get a backing from the other parent. And that's also part of the coalition we want to avoid. No coalitions. So you say, Abba loves you. That's Abba's style, and then you say, and you know at the end of the day, why did you do that? <laughs> you know makes Abba angry. Don't let him put the blame on him a little bit, and then you can make a joke. You can make a joke, so you hey, look how you made light of it. A child comes to you, and he's so he's meant, so bothered hes so like, you hear him, you feel with him, he said, but Abba, Mammy loves you, and you say, and he doesn't mean anything, that's his style. And you didn't have to do what you did, you know. You could really apologize too. And then you wink and you make a smile and you laugh and you give a kiss. You don't have no excuses. And no exonerating the children. Children can do this often, that they do wrong things. And then they come in and they try to get you to be on their side. Now, it's nice to hear all of this. We've gone through a number of rules today. And we're applying the formula one plus one equals three. United we stand. It's nice to hear it. But what about how you feel on the inside? You hear all the nice tools. It's so nice, all these tools. You are resentful at your spouse. You really don't like your spouse, he or she ruining the children. Hurting the children. How could they do? So you know what you're saying in your heart basically? In your heart basically you're saying that your children are more important than your spouse. And that's wrong. Your spouse is more important than your children. What? So let him or her hurt the children? No. But if you realize how uh, how much of a higher priority your spouse is then you'll have more gratitude to your spouse. You'll judge your spouse more favorably. You'll have more unconditional love to your spouse and you'll want to always preserve his or her respect. So if your spouse is a higher priority than the children and he is, she is, That's what Hashem wants. Again, not in extreme cases. I have to repeat and repeat and repeat. In regular cases, your spouse is more important and comes first before the children. In those cases, if you give your spouse respect and you're always looking to increase his respect, her respect, and to have gratitude. And judge them favorably. And look up to them instead of looking down to them. That's going to be the best thing for your children. But that's what's more important. More important than the of your children is your looking up to your spouse. I don't mean looking up that he's a dictator, she's a dictator. I don't mean looking up, giving him or her total control over you. I mean looking up that you look up with respect how important they are, how hush they are, and somehow, when you, somebody's important to you, you find ways to understand them, increasing your love towards your spouse more than for your children. When you have love for your spouse unconditionally, then you'll be able to look away at the resentments. Build that love for your spouse. You have it. Just you think that he or she is ruining the children. You should know that the more you can maintain your love and respect for your spouse, the less the children will get hurt, even if they get hurt but it won't hurt them because one plus one equals three. The Shekhinah is in your home. The three, the additional partner, and he is protecting you and your children. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I've followed families where the spouses have maintained, again, in not extreme situations. The spouses have maintained the respect and the children came out gems. Diamonds. Another point here is, practically speaking, in case you feel resentment, practically speaking, we treat, we teach a a business tool is to treat your workers the one the way you want them to treat your clients. Treat your spouse the way you want your spouse to treat your children, and that will rub off on your children. Aside from what we just said, that that's the right thing. And that's the one plus one equals three. Practically speaking, treat your spouse the way you want your spouse to treat the children, and your children will benefit. Because he, she will treat them nicer. Not like you, but nicer than they've been doing. And nicer and nicer. And there's a final point here to think about. And that is Emuna. Amuna use your Amuna. Amuna says that it's Hashem and everything Hashem does is letoiva. Everything Hashem does is for your success. Accept what Hashem is bringing your way. Accept it happily. It's not hurtful. It's a blessing. It's not depressing. Sing the shahakal songs if you're part of our shahakal programs. And thank Hashem and you'll see things turn around. The taiva, Even in a way that you'll see. Now we've discussed some very important. Rules. The Shalom Bayez versus Khinach. I would ask you. I'd like to spend the next webinar. On going through practical applications. Of everything we've learned. And showing how it applies in actual scenarios. I'll ask anyone that's listening and everyone that's listening, again, not in extreme situations, if you can provide scenarios that we can use, please pre-submit your scenarios to askrabibrizak at gmail.com. Mention that you're on the webinar for Shalom Bayis. Mention this is for the webinar. And please... Send your scenarios, as many as you can, so that we can use these during the session and walk you through what it looks like practically. Thank you for joining us today.